Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, though we are just days into a new calendar year, Utah is already halfway through our water year, which kicks off every October 1st. So we're due to discuss the state of the snowpack, a precious resource that supplies about 95% of our water. Craig Gordon is a forecaster with the Utah Avalanche Center, and he's here to explain why not all snow is made equal. It's Monday, January 9th, 2023. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Craig Gordon, you are a forecaster with the Utah Avalanche Center. And so I have to start by asking you this very important question. Which is better, skiing or snowboarding? Well, that is a curiously intriguing question because (laughs) I I am a uh, skier and Mm -hmm. I'm married to a snowboarder. And a house yes, divided. It, it is, but there's, you know, cross-pollination that goes on here and, <laughs> and, and a lot of peaceful feelings. So, you know what, Ali, I've been skiing for um, like 56 years, you know, so it's sort of, it, yeah, it runs in my blood and it's my jam and I'm actually a free heel skier. So that means I'm a telemark skier and I haven't had my heel locked down since the mid 80s. So that helps me to get around in the backcountry and move uh, pretty stealthily through all of the snow conditions that I need to investigate. Well, let's get into investigating the snow conditions. We have you here to talk about the state of the snowpack. Where are we in our snow cycle right now? And how are things looking? Oh my gosh, it has just been a brilliant start uh, to this new year, but actually to know where we're going, we sort of need to know where we've been and where things mm-hmm. started off. Um, actually, it was the the third week of October, right around the 22nd, 23rd was really our, our first good taste of winter weather. And even though it was just sheets of valley rain. We had a nice dose of mountain snow, about two to two and a half feet of snow with about two inches of water. And, you know, as skiers and riders and boarders and snow enthusiasts, we often talk about snow in terms of inches and feet. But as avalanche people or hydrologists or people who are looking at snow professionally, we look at snow in terms of water weight or what we call SWE, that's snow water equivalent. I'm obsessed with this. You're obsessed with sweet. Yes. All right. I'm obsessed with sweet. Because I think like in my peanut brain, I'm like, this much snow is this much water. But the truth is no. Exactly. Right? And why it's important as, as a snow professional or a hydrologist is because from an avalanche perspective, sweet snow water equivalent 
really equates to how much stress is being put on the pre-existing snowpack. Now, if that snow just falls on bare, warm ground, you know, it, it doesn't know the difference. All it knows is that it's a nice white insulating coat. But if there are weak layers in the snowpack and we put on dense, heavy snow, well, then that weak layer is going to react. It's going to get irritated. It's going to get cranky. It's going to come back to life. And that is generally when we see uh, kind of the wheels of the bus come off here on our steep slopes that surround us in the mountains. Got it. Okay. And one of the reasons this is so interesting to me is because Utahns love fluffy snow. Like that's that's what's kind of made us famous. But when you look at our drought crisis, what we kind of need is this like dense water rich snow, the kind of stuff that wreaked havoc at Sundance Resort recently because it means more water and water is what we're thirsty for. I mean, we obviously love powder, but water is what is keeping us alive. You know what, Allie? We might be known for our light fluffy powder, but that is not what makes our skiing and riding and boarding great here. It's actually the snow that arrives before the light fluffy stuff comes here. So here's the deal. We don't get the most snow. We don't get the lightest snow. We get the best snow. And the reason that is (laughs) on Earth, Earth, and that is no lie. And what makes our snow so special is that we generally get prefrontal snow that comes in dense and heavy, generally on a southerly flow, southwest flow. So that means warmer temperatures, higher densities, so higher water content, higher snow water equivalent. And then if it's a classic Utah storm, we turn a little bit westerly and that will suck in a little bit more colder moisture off of the Pacific. And then if things are lined up perfectly and maybe this storm is coming out of the Gulf of Alaska, it will eventually turn northwest cold air will be associated with that. And that's when the densities lighten up. So how this all adds up to the greatest snow on earth, it's actually not the end result. It's the beginning Mm -hmm. of how we make the sausage that makes it so good. And it's that dense snow that is nice and soft and spongy, and you Mm -hmm. don't feel the old snow surface. So it's sort of a nice little cushion. And then as those densities start to lighten up, that That's the fluff. That's the goods. And it's that combination that actually makes our license plates famous. Okay, that is fascinating to me. (laughs) How do you like that? I love it. So it's been dumping. We're kind of looking towards the spring now. Have there been any recent snow events that have you worried as an avalanche forecaster? We've had a number of storms that have really brought the snowpack to life. And the snow that was was on the ground near the ground surface was still pretty happy in its own skin. But the snow on the surface grew weak. It grew sugary. It's what we call faceted snow. And, um, you know, unto itself, it's not a danger. It's loud powder. It's kind of fun to ride. But we as snow professionals know that eventually we get storms here in Utah. And eventually, once we start overloading that weak layer, we're going to see avalanches. And that's exactly what happened. But Mm. the curveball that was thrown to us was... We had snow right around Thanksgiving that fell straight out of the sky. It preserved that weak layer. It kept it uniform and contiguous. And then on two consecutive Fridays, December 2nd and December 9th, we had two back-to-back storms that were robust. They had a lot of wind and they put 
dense, heavy snow on top of that weak layer. And that's really when we started to begin our our avalanche season. That's when we started to see Mm. both natural and human-triggered avalanches. And ever since then, you know, we've been kind of building our snowpack. Um, Really, this this latest event that started on December uh, 27th and wrapped up on January 2nd. Now, that was the full meal deal because we got uh, involved with an atmospheric river and AR. I mean, the the two sexiest words in meteorology right (laughs) now are atmospheric river. I mean, it sounds like a racehorse name. (laughs) It does. I'll I'll put $50 down on atmospheric (laughs) river to win. And for us, it was actually, it was like uh, the storm racehorse for us because Mm. once this thing kicked into gear, it's a conveyor belt of moisture. Yeah. Truly, the clear winner in that last atmospheric river um, was Sundance. And I mean, they just had a boatload of water up to 10 inches. You're talking like seven feet of snow, eight feet of snow. So um, not only was it a colossal water event, it, they were Herculean snow numbers, you know, so yeah. it, it was great for, the, for our snowpack. It was great for the state, for the resorts, but also it really spiked up our backcountry avalanche danger as well because all of that dense, heavy heavy snow, that fell on a weak layer that was formed back in mid-November. And that's what makes the, the whole avalanche equation so crazy. Yeah, it's a parfait. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. I want to ask you, Craig, because not everyone skis. So for people who don't recreate in the backcountry, why should we all care about avalanche and snow science? Well, we might not travel in the backcountry as skiers, boarders, snowmobilers, but guaranteed somebody in our family, in our neighborhood is a hiker, a hunter, Mm. a trail runner, a photo taker, along with all of the other things that we do. And now, Allie, we have got a snowpack that pretty much goes tip to tail. So it goes from the top of the mountains down to nearly our valley floors. And of course, that also covers our foothills. So even even if we're dog walkers, um, we should be aware of what's going on in our mountains. Yeah. 
Well, on that note, can you give us some safety tips? Yeah, you bet. So the first thing, definitely be armed with the latest avalanche forecast for the zone that you plan to either recreate in or travel in. You know, Utah Avalanche Center is nearly a statewide organization. So we have got avalanche forecasts that are issued daily. So be armed with that information, utahavalanchecenter.org. We got your back. We got you covered. Next thing to do, attend one of our free avalanche awareness classes. You have the forecast, you have the education and then get the gear. And that means an avalanche transceiver, a shovel, and a probe. Uh, Get to be familiarized with that gear, know how to use it, know how to wear it. But here's the thing with rescue gear, Allie. It's like the seatbelt or the airbag in your car. Once you need it, it means you've screwed up. So when that airbag in your car goes off, it means the accident has already happened. And what we know, Allie, is that avalanches are very violent events. You're going zero to 40 miles an hour in a couple of seconds. You get... uh, Uh, thrown over cliff bands, raked through trees, slammed into trees going 40 miles an hour, and it's instant lights out. So we know that that trauma is a big deal. I feel like whenever I talk to you, Craig, you describe avalanches to me in a way that shakes my whole body. And I know that that is your job. But I'm like, now I want to pivot to a question about water. And I'm like, wow, I need to like breathe through this transition. Well, I do want to talk about water because we, of course, are in a statewide mega drought. Our snowfall in the past few years feels increasingly irregular. And I want to know what makes this year so snowy? You've been doing this for a long time. Are we just like getting back to business or is this still an irregular year? I feel like this year is a little anomalous. And, you know, looking at hmm. at years that were similar to this, where we had a just a robust atmospheric river. I mean, that's the thing that that's really changing this up. The feeling is that drier years are becoming drier, wetter years are becoming wetter, Mm -hmm. and there's a bigger spread between the norms. So it feels to me like the new norm is the abnormal. And, you know, I think we are very lucky. We're super blessed. We're like in the right place at the right time right now that this flow is being very good to us, very favorable. And the thing about weather and weather systems is they're actually kind of lazy and they like the path of least resistance. Mm. So once a trough or a pattern is established, then weather patterns like to follow that flow. And, you know, it might Mm. sound a very simple way to describe a, a very complex concept, rather. But that is just the way weather works. And so once that flow is established, generally, um, that's how storms will follow in suit. Now, there's plenty of things that can really throw a curveball to this, but it's one of those deals right now. Man, get it while it getting's good. Yeah. Well, one of the things we hear a lot about our changing climate is that it has made things like modeling and forecasting harder because models rely on some level of consistency. And to your point, things feel really inconsistent and they're swinging way out wide in different directions. So is your job getting harder? You know, it it, it is definitely getting more challenging for sure. Um, I think that is when institutional knowledge 
becomes really imperative. And this comes from a guy who can hardly balance his checkbook, but I remember years and dates and snowed numbers because this is what I do. It's my passion. I love it. And more importantly, I'm a skier. So I kind of do it for my own self-consumption. But what I look at are mm. different patterns that develop that I have seen in years past and how those patterns interact with our mountain ranges, how the snow layering develops and how that might react to either an onslaught of storms or big dry spells. And, you know, you just kind of tap into that. And yeah, it certainly is challenging. But the beauty of this alley is that it keeps you sharp and it keeps you on your toes. And I love Love it. Craig Gordon, forecaster with the Utah Avi Center. We're grateful for you and your institutional knowledge. Thank you. Rock on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I wish everybody a safe and happy and snowy new year. I look forward to seeing everybody soon for high fives, for a great season, and most importantly, for returning home to our families at the end of the day. Speaking of snow sports, you might know that Outdoor Retailer is making a return to Utah this year. When the Outdoor Gear Expo left in 2017, it was because of Utah's support for shrinking Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalani National Monuments. Remember that? The Enviros wanted to punish us for bad politics around conservation and tribal sovereignty, so they took off for Denver. Well, next week, Outdoor Retailer is back. But not much has changed politically around here. Sure, the Biden administration has restored the monuments to their original size, and they signed a pretty badass co-management agreement with the tribes. But Utah's Attorney General Sean Reyes is currently suing against this ruling, and nearly every elected official is lining up behind him. So what gives, outdoor retailer? Patagonia and REI would like to know. They're boycotting this year's expo in Utah. The big conference is later this year, but January 10th through 12th is the snow show at the Salt Palace. Maybe you could crash it and get some free Kodiak cakes. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Be safe out there. Bye. Bye.